My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And it's not just Judd's Hockey Show. It's the Wednesday extravaganza of JHS. And it's Valentine's Day. And as you can see, Jesse Pierce, Bardown Beauties, NHL.com, covers the wild, does a great job. But look at that. It's Declan, Mm -hmm. it's Judd, and it's Jesse Pierce. Look at how she's dressed today. Valentine's Day. You got the balloons. What? What's the? Uh, what's These the are just tiara? sunglasses. Glasses. Oh, I thought you had like a tiara thing on. No. I think, oh, look at I those. Like, yeah, they turn everything really red. So it's. I mean, it's not great. It's red, red colored glasses that maybe you need when you're watching the Minnesota Wild these days. I. Uh, well, they're so hot that that you have to wear the red to diffuse the the the, the flames coming through the picture. And you start with a very interesting comment. Okay. So since the bye week of the All-Star break, the Wild comes back. They beat the Blackhawks in what I thought was a terrible game. And if they played a good team, they lose. Um, if they hadn't got a talking to before they went on the break, you guys, they definitely got a talking to after that Blackhawks game. Pittsburgh, uh, Mark andre Fleury night last Friday. Jesse was there. I was there. It was spectacular. It was emotional. It was as cool as you can get for a sports fan. And the Wild played their asses off. They win that game in large part because of the fact that it was so, so important for the flower to beat his former team on the night in which he was honored. They come back after that then again and play the golden Knights, give up a goal like 20 seconds in or something like that, come back and win. Matt Boldy is gone from against the Blackhawks, no showing the game to looking outstanding. So Jesse, we'll start with you. What do you make of what we're seeing? And are you like me and you're somewhat frustrated by where has this been? Or do you think that this is a legit turnaround for a team that plays the Arizona Coyotes tonight on the night we're recording this? And the Wild is what, at, th- at this point in time, still, I believe, five points out of the second mm-hmm. wild card spot? Um, I think I quote tweeted you because this is the frustration. This is the third turning point we've had this season, I think. You go back to the New York Rangers game, and, oh, this win's going to change everything. You go back to the win streak. Oh, it's going to change everything. This Vegas win, don't get me wrong, huge, absolutely incredible. It was big for a number of reasons, not just to get the points, not just to defeat the Stanley Cup defending champions, but you have Matt Boldy who gets three points. Jewel Eric's neck gets two goals. Kirill Kaprizov now 15 points in his past 10 games. Bolds has five points in two games. I mean, to have those guys show up, that's what made me even more excited. Unfortunately, I still just can't buy in. I can't buy into it being true because the inconsistency has been there more than the consistency this year, and that's the concern. It's frustrating to watch because it's not that they're a bad team. It's not that they're a good team. They're going to be a very uh, team, and they could be that night in and night out, and they probably could make a push because five points isn't that far back. Again, that's just them controlling what they can control and needing to win. They could do it if they play the way that they played in Vegas. So I'd love to see this. I hate using the word response game to a win, but I need a response game. You need to go in and handle Arizona. Arizona is fighting with you for this spot. You guys are volleying back and forth. Um, But because Minnesota has been so inconsistent, because they haven't shown good play nightly, and that's players from top to bottom, it's really hard for me to believe that, yep, here we go. We're back in the playoff hunt. Let's give it to her. Judd, I believe it was you and AJ last week that said to the wild scratch Matt Boldy. I said after the Blackhawks game, I said for the Pittsburgh game, I would have scratched him. He clearly he didn't listen get scratched. J- listen to JHS though, clearly. No, I think the head coach. I think the head coach mf'd him up and down because the last two games, obviously, yeah, he's been on fire. And look, he's he is a streaky player, so I guess it shouldn't shock us to see him have four points and a two game size when he's been a little streaky and inconsistent before. But if they are. 
going to make significant run, as, as we talked about, I think, at the halfway point in All-Star Weekend a few weeks ago, of if you're going to actually pick things up, they need Boldy, they need Kaprizov to be playing at their 100th percentile, where both those guys have either been inconsistent, they've been injured, they've been too streaky. If those two guys start scoring all the time and start you know, obviously being the players they're supposed to be, I think all three of us could change our tune on how we view this season and how we view this team that maybe could they could maybe pop things up a little bit. There's certainly still holes in the roster. If Boldy and Kaprizov play up to the ability they're supposed to play, that's where I could buy back in. To Jess's point, I've seen too many of the inconsistent nature. I've been gaslit too many times. I'm not right. going to fall for it this time. Uh, but unless they continue to play up to the level they're supposed to, I can't fully buy in. I want to talk about one thing that I think is a major positive that I think it took place actually not the Pittsburgh game. I think it was the third period of the Blackhawks game because they were terrible. Like they won that game, but that game was terrible. Uh, and, and it's something that we've been calling for. I think a lot of fans have. So this this is not just a pat an individual on the back, but it's again something that the team watched and watched and watched and wouldn't do. And I think it's been huge. Boldy being put on the first line has been great because he's shooting and he is willing to shoot. And then Jesse, just as important to me, Zuccarello being taken off the Kaprizov line, which we've talked about how many times. Um, But I think what we're seeing is this. Matt Boldy has either been told or just has decided I'm going to shoot more. Kaprizov, I don't think you can really change him. Like he's going to still shoot, but he's also going to pass a lot. And I, I don't think you can sit him down and be like, all right, dude, here's what you're going to do. But Erickson Eck, who, again, we suggested should be a first-line center on this team several times, but they just didn't do it. Kaprizov and Boldy, Jesse, to me, has been absolutely what a first-line should and can be. And more importantly, John Hines finally had the intestinal fortitude to take Kaprizov's best friend and take him off his line. And I think we have seen some clear-cut results of why that was a good idea because the past twins have been broken up. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I, I actually like these lines more than anything I have seen I agree. thus far. Uh, minus Marcus Johansson still can't do anything, which is so incredibly frustrating to watch. But I don't know who else I would rather have there. It's certainly not a Hartman or a Freddie Goudreau switching to the left. Like, it's it has to work because it does. But it feels more balanced. There had been times when you'd seen Matt Zuccarello get taken off Kirill Kaprizov's line, and it wasn't for very long extended periods of times. It was maybe a shift here or there. And it was fine, but this just feels really well-balanced. I really love Kaprizov and Boldy and Jewel Eric's neck because of what they can bring between the grit, the size, and the skill. And then you go down your second line with Marco Rossi doing the tremendous things that he continues to do night in and night out alongside Matt Zuccarello, who has this vision and this way to move the puck around as well when, when he's going. So I do. I love it. I think those are comparable top six forwards to other elite teams in the National Hockey League, right? I think that that just kind of makes sense. I love that John Hines, you know, it's funny, it came up across my Twitter, all my hashtag line heathens saying, you know, Hines is always moving things around. Well, what do we want? He wasn't, no, Dean Evson didn't move things around and we were upset about it. Now Hines is trying, but I do think he might stick with this a little bit. I mean, again, going into Arizona will be a huge tell as to what this team could build, but I think with those top six forwards, you have a better chance then switching and going back to Kirill and Zuccarello on the same line. And I think on paper, you know, you have Kaprizov, Boldy, Eck on top, and you think, oh, this this would be too top-heavy. In fact, you know, we've we've thought about the idea of Kaprizov, Boldy together, but that puts too much ammunition on top of your line. You can't spread that wealth around the rest of your lineup. 
I mean, with inc- with the inconsistent na- uh, nature of the wild, I mean, at this point, you have to you have to kind of lean into that. I think you have to lean in to having a, a top heavy line and still having some comparable guys. Yeah, Ro- I mean, Marco Rossi has continued to have a really successful season that's gone under the radar a bit. Yeah, you'd like to see more from the Johansons and Felinos, et cetera. But at this point, if they're going to make a run, it's going to have to come from those three guys. And if they have to play 22 minutes a night, which you know I think more and more hockey has gone away from fourth lines, you know, only playing six nights, you have four lines that can roll about 10 to 12 nights on average. But if they're going to make noise, if they're going to be significant playmakers and try to get back in the playoff race, they're going to need that top line to basically produce night in and night out. And I, I did like the fact that in the win against the Golden Knights, they actually, in the third period at one point, while protecting a lead, broke up that first line and took Boldy, I think, off of it for a second. And and so, like, look, I am not a fan of juggling lines for the sake of it. And we've seen coaches that just juggle, 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 and it's like there's no consistency here. And, and I, I do think it helps players to have consistency. But, Jesse, to your point, and it's spot on, with Dean it became maddening because <laughs> it was like he married himself to – it was like – you know, if Zuccarello and Kaprizov weren't playing together, he, he was afraid that they might go home. Like, we're, we're just going to go home. Call mom we're and dad. Not we're not feeling it. Yeah, we're not feeling like we want to play for you now. Um, so, yeah, John Hines, to me, this is perfect. And, and I think that in 2024, if you, like, set your lines and that's how it's going to be, and un- unless it's like a cataclysmic problem, that's a problem, too. So, yeah, I think John Hines is basically – Chicago game probably helps in some ways because it was so bad. Mm-hmm. Now you're fortunate to have won. You got two points, but it was such a, you know, I mean, I've, I think you're hard pressed to see a team that, that leaves Turk, Turks and Caicos and stays there during the game. Yeah. And I've never seen that many guys like just checked out. So, but I do think that, that your line point is spot on, which is if you are going to just like be married to lines, it's not going to work. Um, let's talk about Boldy for a second though, because I'm with you guys. Like I'm not buying in like to, to a team. I, there, there's too much. There's too many things we've seen it. Jess out, outlined it. She's exactly right. But when it comes to Boldy, let's talk about players individually and expectations. And Dex, I'll start with you on this one. Um, the last two games, is there any reason? And I talked about this with age on the show yesterday. Is there any re- reason why we can't expect a semblance of what we've seen from Boldy every single game. Cause to me, it's hard work. It's shooting, but we're not asking them to be Gretzky. Like, right. Right. So, I, 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 I would just, say it, it's putting him with the right playmakers here. Um, you know, he's finally on a roll here and he's shooting a ton, you know, to your point earlier that he wouldn't do that as much. And the last few games, I mean, seven shots on goal, five shots on goal, six shots on goal, five shots on goal. He's finally being more aggressive. And I think that's, that's kind of the, I know it's the maddening part because I think we get, you know, Charlie Coyle, Jordan Greenway, PTSD with big power (laughs) forwards. And I will say Boldy is light years offensively above both those guys, even with Coyle carving out a really nice career with the Bruins post the wild. But if his confidence is there and he's shooting shooting a ton like he is, those goals are going to come. It's just a lot of averages at that point. He actually had really bad shooting luck uh, at the beginning of the season where he was putting shots on net that weren't going in. Now it's starting to even out a little bit where you're seeing his shooting percentage be at a, a spot that is sustainable. But if he is confident and he's playing with the right playmakers, and that's where I think putting with Kirill and Eck make the most sense to get getting the most out of him and that line as a whole, I think that's going to yield pretty good results for him. What yeah. Do you think, 
I mean, Dex nailed it. I think it's just him continuing to shoot, him reminding himself. He doesn't actually need that reminder. He knows he's the player that is getting paid $7 million a year. He knows why. He's a guy that has that confidence to go in there, and he understands that he needs to continue to play his game. But I think you're right. The difference is John Hines not being afraid to hold him accountable. Now, I don't necessarily know that Dean Ebsen didn't do that, but it certainly seems like something changed. You know, there was two shots only in that Chicago game where Matt Boldy was one of many absent players going back to that win. And I hate to keep harping on it, but it was so bad, you guys. Like, I forget that they actually won that game. You know what I mean? Like, I that's how bad it was. I was like, oh, yeah, we count that as a win. Um, but I think Boldy can, if he, he's tough, right? I guess I have a tough time because he is so streaky. He can be very streaky. We've seen this two years in a row now where it's kind of very high peak and valley situation, but he's young. That's the thing that's still exciting. That's the thing that's still enticing is that he can get it figured out. Once he gets it figured out, which I think he does right now, it's only good things for Minnesota Wild. So I, I pointed this out to H though. So he is young. He's what, 22? Mm-hmm. But here's what I say if I'm J- John Hines. I say, you know what, Matthew? You've been playing in this league for a while now. And you know who else is young and technically in his rookie season? Brock Faber. And Brock Faber makes mistakes, but you know what I never see? I never see him not playing his all. Like, I never see games where I'm like, well, he's taking tonight off. He might make some bad passes sometimes. I mean, my God, he plays so much. I'm not surprised by that. But my point is, like, I think Faber's the poster child for And the thing with Boldy and Greenway and Coyle that they all have in common, and I get it, but it's not an excuse, is... They're Boston kids. They're Boston kids who are playing who are playing <laughs> tough positions. Like that power forward sucks. It's a tough role. Boldy and and goals will come and go. You'll go through streaks, right? You'll score three here. You'll score none for X amount of games. You'll score two more. But the one thing that doesn't come and go, unless you choose that that it does, is your effort. And you know, with Boldy is Boldy to me, it's not a statistical thing. It's when you watch the Wild, do you notice him? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the last two games, now, granted, it's also resulted in point production, but the last two games, it's like, oh, my God, this guy is driving to the net. He's doing everything he can. And I do think that there's a sneaky advantage here. When you put a guy with Erickson Eck, I don't think he can take time off, Jesse. I think it becomes very, very hard to justify you basically gliding around like our guy Marcus Johansson does when 14 is working his ass off every single night. I was going to say it's the Jules Erickson neck effect, right? I mean, but they tried that with Greenway and I think maybe even a little bit with Coyle. I know for sure with Greenway, obviously, and that didn't necessarily translate. But Matt Boldy is a very different player. I should clarify, I understand Greenway is not from Boston. He went to Boston. Yeah, I got He's you. from New York. You know, just for anybody who wants to chirpy, chirp, chirp down there, I understand oh, where he's from. You think men would chirp you on Never. I no, everyone would. Oh, come on. No, that would never happen. No, but I mean, again, we can't reiterate enough what Jules Eriksenek brings, right? I think it's not lost on anybody, and he just doesn't get the national attention that he probably rightfully deserves because he is an outstanding centerman with that physicality, with that body. And he's, I mean, on pace for more goals than he had last year. Now, granted, he was injured, but with 23 so far on the year um, and still quite a few games to go, it's exciting to see him finally come into his own. And it's even more exciting to see the impact that he does have on his line mates, whomever they may be. We've seen that little by little, season by season, but I think this year it's really made a huge difference. Absolutely. All right. Jesse came up to me in in the press box, uh, the last game that we covered together, which was Friday against the Penguins. And now you have had, and I, I think I think you were leaning towards this already. So this is not a newfound thing. But 
you brought up Brock Faber for the Calder. We now know that Bedard, I think, is supposed to return. He's skating now. He's still non-contact. The hope is he's going to return at some point next week. Talk me through your thoughts now about Brock Faber, who has a real chance. I'm not saying he's a slam dunk. Talk me through your thoughts, though, on Brock Faber actually winning the Rookie of the Year over Connor Bedard, who is the chosen one of the National Hockey League. Yeah, I mean, it starts with Connor McDavid didn't win his rookie year, and that didn't change anything in the NHL, didn't change the NHL's perception of Connor McDavid, which I think that's the thing everyone's scared of, right? He, you know, Gary Bettman needs Connor Bedard to win. He needs to help salvage Chicago Blackhawks, yada, yada. McDavid was needed back then, too, and he did not win. Sidney Crosby lost. Now he lost to Alex Ovechkin, which happens as well. Um, But from a defensive standpoint, it's hard to win. Kale McCarr won it, yes, and I think Brock Faber's in the same conversation as Kale McCarr. The reason I didn't buy in immediately, and I know this has been discussed all year long, like, oh, Brock, he's important to our team, and he is, and he was getting points, and he was putting himself among that list of top rookies, but it felt very Minnesota. It felt very Minnesota to be like, yep, our boy, he can do it. He's from Minnesota. He plays for Minnesota. He played for the Gophers, and I do love that, but I just didn't want to believe it, and I think I was like, you know, Brock is a very good defenseman. But the more I watch him play and eat the minutes, the more I watch him shut down the top lines of the opposition. Yes, it's a points race for the Calder, but it's so much more than that, too. And I think if you look at Brock Faber compared to Connor Bedard, that's huge. The biggest thing to me, too, Judd, which I think I mentioned, Bedard's not going to have enough games. By the time that he comes back, if it comes back next week, he won't have had enough games, I think, to make a very fair assessment. Now, yes, if you want to go back to the points, well, he still has 33 points. and 30. Yes, that's all great and fine and well. I just think he wouldn't have been able to showcase enough in the amount of games left to uh, to overtake Brock Faber because I'm hearing when visiting teams are coming in, they're immediately going to Brock. They're going to Brock like they used to go to Kirill. And so I think that's also very telling is that he's getting this national recognition. And I'm all in on the Brock Faber for Calder train. Choo-choo, buckle up, bring it on home, Fabes. I think think what's helping him, too, and look, I know Chicago is playing like their 30th outdoor game in 10 years, um, (laughs) so they always get attention even when it's maybe deserved or not deserved. Uh, But Chicago is awful. They are so bad. Uh, They only have 14 wins, and the Wild Shore aren't aren't necessarily a, a lock to make the playoffs or aren't really anything special either. But I think Brock Faber has contributed to the Wild success more than than Bedard has with Chicago. I understand Bedard's the sexy one because he's the first overall pick, and he could be and should be probably an NHL superstar that the league would like to build around and market on. But without Brock Faber, the Wild are worse. Like the Wild are significantly worse. It's kind of like you know, it's a lot like an MVP vote at that point. You know, if you took away that player on that team, is that team anything special? Are they anything without him? And I think the Wild would be in significant trouble, especially when you look at the injuries to Spurgeon and Brodeen at some points this season and their just lack of a third pairing in general. You remove Brock Faber from the equation, and the Wild probably look a lot more like the Chicago Blackhawks from a records-wise. So, yeah, I, I think he has a legitimate case. I get why some people might not, some voters and stuff will probably look at, like, who the hell is Brock Faber? But at the same time, he has contributed to the Wild's success more than Bedard has meant to Chicago. To add to it, I honestly think he could have a Norris conversation Ooh. as well. I'm just put, I'm not fully in on that. I think Quinn Hughes is remarkable. What do you know, do you know Jesse? They're I think so you're right. Good. But I, right. I mean, if you look at it, he is um, beyond the rookie stats, 14th in the league in assists, 11th in total mm-hmm. on ice minutes. I mean, he's in the top 20 in some of these amongst 
all defensemen across the league, which is a hell of an impressive thing to do. So, I mean, I don't think he has a shot at winning it. There's a lot of more seasoned, obviously, defensemen. But it's a fair conversation, and if he continues the way that he's performed so far this rookie year, there's no doubt in my mind he will eventually win that sometime down the road because he's just a tremendous athlete, a tremendous blue liner, and I think that he deserves that recognition too. He won't be among the three finalists, I don't think, Jesse, but I think he's right outside of it, and and I think that he will win a Norris Trophy within the next four years or so. Like when you see the ice time and – I don't think we're having, we might be, but I don't think we're having these conversations if Spurgeon had been healthy all all year, because then Spurgeon probably stays paired with Middleton and Brock plays with Brodeen. And then I think we default to, well, Brock's playing with Brodeen though. And Brodeen, like you could say, you can say what you want, but Brodeen is just a steadying presence. But Faber's been so taken out of what you would think would be his comfort zone and thrive so much, Jess, that I think you're right. And I do think that you at least have to, when you're putting together the finalist for the Norris Trophy, I think if you don't bring up Brock Faber, that's a you problem. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think I'd go against you, though, on that. I think if Spurgeon were here, I still think Brock is a top defenseman on your top pairing. You're right, he's probably still with Brodeen. But I could see if they had been paired together without Brodeen getting injured and taking him out. Right. That would be your top pair. I kind of still like him better than a healthy Spurgeon. And I know we all love agree. Jared Spurgeon, right? Like maybe, yeah, but I, you're, you're right. I, think I do it, agree with your so point. It's so different if Spurgeon never got it. But him. I mean, he's just playing such a ridiculous amount yeah. of ice time and for that age and to look that calm. And I mean, you know, I, I think we've always said that Brodeen is probably going into the season the greatest skater that this team has had. <clears throat> Like, he's just a phenomenal skater. Faber, dare I say it, is as good or better, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just as far as a skater goes. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, there's nobody he backs down from. Connor McDavid didn't make him look stupid. <laughs> and I think there was a one-on-one play, Jess, right below us in the press box at the X, where McDavid bared in. And, I mean, you saw it last night. I think Connor, I think McDavid had six assists last night, if I'm not mistaken, against Detroit. And there's one where he did the old Savard spinorama and just made a defenseman look like an idiot. Yeah. And I think he was hoping to do that to Brock, and he could not. Uh, last thing, let's talk about Friday night, because I thought the flurry thing deserves some from some discussion here. Um, as far as as far as events that you have seen the Wild Jesse put on, you know, honoring players down that path, where did this one rank to, to you for? Keep in mind, a guy who had to play goal that night. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering the other ones, semi-forgettable. I mean, not to be rude or, or crass Nico's to them. Dry, like, Nico's, the well, and then there was Ryan Suter's thousandth game, I think I covered the team for. Um, they want to say there might have been one other, maybe. So I haven't actually been around long enough to see a heck of a whole lot. And granted, a thousand games is a lot of games to play. It's very rare that you're going to see, especially a Minnesota Wild player, make it there in a Minnesota Wild uniform. I thought they did a great job. I love that Pittsburgh was a part of it because they know how important that is to Marc-Andre Fleury's story. I thought they, the kids, I still get chills just thinking about what his kids said. They were so well-spoken and them talking about how they give their dad the special tie, but he doesn't need it because he's the special one. And they meant it. And it was just, it was beautiful. It was great. But I also love that, Knowing he had to play, and I, I had overheard this um, during morning skate that day, is that 
Flurry had said, okay, after the first, though, I don't want any more. I don't want more video tributes. I don't need anything else. I just want to play hockey, and I just want to win. And so they, I think they adhered to that, too. They tried to not make it overly emotional, tried not to keep interrupting the game with that, because it is. It's got to be hard to focus, especially a superstitious guy like Marc-Andre Fleury is. Um, you know, I, I think it was great. It was great that you got to see him win that game. I'm not overly impressed with how the Wild played that night. I think Pittsburgh... Again, is another team that they should have done better against. But Marc-Andre Fleury saved their butts, which I also love for them. And guys were laying down, too, at the end. Brandon Duhame, I think Matt Boldy was the one that said Duhame would have used his face to block a shot if that's what it meant. I mean, the guys definitely wanted to get that win. Um, more importantly, Judd, I was happy for you because you got your Fleury towel. You got your Fleury oh, badge. Right so you've Hold on got, a second. Uh, oh, yeah, I bet yep. you do. He was all worried he wasn't going to get the mementos, but he got them. There they are. Well, you went and got them from the stands. I yeah, had to no, wait. I did. I stole them. Judd would have never done that. So, yeah, good for you, Jess. That's... I told Jesse, go get me one because she was going downstairs to get something to eat. I tried. She didn't. Nah, I tried. Classic. They were out of the badges, but we got them. So. Love it. Here you go, though, right there, the flower, Jack. <laughs> you know, the, the flower, I think, might be an AG1 guy. You look at that, that pretty face he's got, that, oh. just, that, those, that great smile he has. You know, he's, he's always well-spoken. He probably, you know, uh, tries some AG1. I wouldn't blame him. You could be like Marc-Andre Fleury. I can't guarantee you'll look as good as him, but you know you can at least have that brain health like he has. Just one daily scoop of AG1 covers nutritional graphs. It promotes healthy energy levels. And uh, my fiance and I both do it every morning. We love AG1. You can try AG1 with a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. You can go to drinkag1.com slash JHS. That's drinkag1.com slash JHS. Go check them out. Last thing, percentage chance that when we reconvene next week, which, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, will be four games. You got the Coyotes on Wednesday night, which is tonight. You got a matinee on uh, Saturday. You got a matinee on Monday. And then a, t- a Tuesday game against the Jets. Percentage chance that the Wild has won all four games. Because if they do, they will be in very good shape. It will be maddening, but they'll be in good shape. Jesse. You just omitted who they're playing, mind you. You got Arizona, uh, then yeah. oh, Buffalo. Right. You could Buffalo. be Buffalo. I was like, I need to schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm sorry. Vancouver. On Monday, you're not beating Vancouver. I am sorry. Did you guys see the news? The the heartbreaking news for me that Phil Kessel apparently is practicing near Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver is sniffing around on the guy that uh, the Minnesota Wild wanted. Coach them wanted him bad. with the Coyotes and their boy. You did. We have no <laughs> idea if Bill Guerin did. It just made sense. But see, if a team like the Vancouver Canucks wants to go out and sign them a Phil Kessel, it. <laughs> He's a guy. He's a guy that can help you get there. No, I don't. I think the percentage chance to answer your question, Judd, ten, just because I got to give him a fighting chance. That's just a lot. I'm I'm honestly more worried about tonight against Arizona than even the rest of them because I don't like to like they say I don't like to look too far past the game in front of us. <laughs> but I think this is the one that's going to be very telling to me as to what the Minnesota Wild team is built up. So ten percent chance the win streak continues. Probably ends tonight. Yeah, I mean, winning four games in a row, even though, uh, you know, Arizona, they could definitely go there. That I mean, Matt, I heard Matt Dumba's name pop up on trade rumors. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually gets moved here in the coming days as we get closer to the trade deadline. You mean here to Minnesota? Not I here. Feel like that's a thing. Nope. It's and oh, am I going out of focus as I say this? You know, so. Yes, you are. You're, you're blurry <laughs> You've now. You've been blurry. Oh. Do you know I something, I thought it was Jesse? my contacts. No, I just feel like that Matt Dumba 
I I think it'll be a free agency signing. He'll take league minimum to come back here is what I feel. That's an I don't you feel that way when he was here? Do you not feel that way? He loves it here. Billy loves him. If he was like, hey, give me league league minimum, I'll come back. Yeah, let's give him a no trade, too. Sorry, Uh, But uh, I I would put it at like 25% chance. 25% chance that they can come back by the next time we reconvene and they are are red hot. Judd has to process a little more. I'll put it at 8%. (laughs) I'll put it at 8% because I think that they win against the Coyotes and then I think they lay an egg like against Buffalo. Because just when they pull us in, just when you think it's safe, it's like Jaws. Just when you think it's safe to go back in the water, they bite your leg off, rip your rip your heart out. I know it sucks. It sucks. I'm that dumb. No, no more. You don't think that's a free no agent more victory signing? tour? No, I don't mm-hmm. need. No, get move on. You got Alex Mo- Goligoski still out here on the blue I know. line. You got Johnny I mean, Merrill now playing. Got- oh, Johnny Merrill's playing well. Okay, great. How long is that going to last? All right, great <laughs> stuff, you guys. Jesse, Declan, Judd. We'll see you next week.